the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. My guests this week are Sinn Féin TD and finance spokesman Pierce Doherty and Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times. We're discussing the draft programme for government published earlier this week by Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Green Party who are planning to go into coalition together. And Cliff Taylor, you've been writing about this over the past couple of days. Maybe just walk us through some of the main elements of this document. Yeah, sure, Kieran. I mean, it's a long programme, 120 pages. Uh, it's a fairly aspirational programme. Uh, I guess maybe that's not surprising in the light of COVID-19 and the uncertainties that uh, that we face. And I think, I suppose, the first thing to note is that I, there's a lot of new programmes outlined, uh, a lot of goals set in the programme, but very few of them are specified in terms of timelines or in terms of delivery cost. And, and I, I suspect the plan will be to see where things are in October and to try and put more shape on it in the National Economic Plan, which is going to be published alongside the budget. So if I guess if we look at what's going to happen over the next few months, the first thing um, the new government would plan to do is what's called a July stimulus. So it's kind of a small stimulus for the economy before the summer. There are various business supports that were promised, particularly a new credit guarantee scheme, which have to be legislated for. I think we might expect, uh, looking at the language in the programme, that there might be some improvements and expansions in those. And there might be some extra money uh, thrown into some investment programmes, short-term things during July. That will get us through the summer, uh, the government hopes. And obviously a lot then depends on the path of of the COVID crisis in terms of what they will be looking at in October. And the Fiscal Advisory Council have laid out a number of different scenarios for for the next few years, and, and, and really they're, they're, they're hugely different depending on whether the, the virus is broadly under control or whether it might come back in second and third, third waves. So government hopes to be able to put a bit of shape on that in the National Economic Programme, National Economic Plan, which is going to be published alongside the budget. So I think we could expect autumn to be really busy uh, and, and for a lot of rows and tensions as the, kind of the aspirations in the new programme are Set, set in this new economic plan and, and a way is kind of found to prioritise them and, and pay for them. In terms of paying for them, I suppose that you could look at it in two different, in two different boxes. First of all, there's going to be the stimulus programme um, heading into next year and maybe 2022 as well to try and get the economy going, try and save jobs, to try and deal with the fallout from this extraordinary crisis. Most of that is going to be funded, all of that is going to be funded from borrowing. So we're going to see really big deficits this year and really big deficits next year. And what the programme says then is that after that, uh, when the economy is back growing again, doesn't put a time on it, but you might speculate that might be, you know, 2022 or whatever, heading into 2023, that the goal would be to reduce the deficit each year after that and to try and get the public finances back on track, first by um, first by closing the current deficit, in other words, not borrowing for day-to-day purposes. And then uh, by getting the budget back to what's called broad balance. So I, I guess broad balance is a, is a bit of whatever you're, whatever you're having yourself in terms of what might be aimed for. But they're giving themselves a bit of leeway there. And the second issue then in terms of, of paying for it is there's a lot of new commitments uh, in the program in, in the areas like the, like the environment, in progressing slauncha care, in education, uh, and, and uh, in, 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 in day-to-day spending in a lot of, in a lot of different areas. And I think as the Fiscal Advisory Council also said that some way needs to be found to pay for these 
higher uh, levels of spending in the years ahead, new programs, new promises. And, you know, I think that's that's a battle for another day, but it is going to be a big issue for the next government because the program, while, while not being specific in terms of what it aims for, is, is, is ambitious in terms of environmental goals, 50,000 new houses, 500,000 retrofit, uh, retrofitting of old houses. Uh, there's a lot of things in there that are going to cost a lot of money and, uh, you know, in time, some way is going to have to be found to pay for them, particularly given the hole that's been put in the exchequer finances by the COVID crisis. Pierce Hardy, Cliff Taylor there talked about it being an ambitious programme. It's had a broad welcome from the business community. It's had a broad welcome from environmental groups. Uh, what's the Sinn Féin response? Well, I think here, you know, we had an election in February and uh, a lot of to and fro between the parties and indeed uh, people in the media about the costings of different proposals and whatnot and people accusing other parties, accusing each other of uh, financial holes. And then you come to a programme for government and you forget all of that. You don't even make an attempt to actually have a, a, a you know, a, a single costing within the, in the, in the, in the programme and it's whatever you, you're having yourself. So look, the, the issue here and the issue we have in relation to Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael is that they can't be trusted, that they can't be trusted to do the, the decent thing, the right thing for ordinary workers and families. And we see it in the, in, in the text here. Uh, that you know it is austerity in the later part of the uh, of, of of the government's term. Uh, it's short time stimulus, but then reducing the deficit uh, through expenditure cuts or taxation increases. And uh, what they've done very clearly is they've actually said there will be no uh, tax increases even on higher income earners. And actually, they spell out specific commitments uh, where there would be about four billion euro tax forgone over the period of uh, of of the program for government, uh, because for the first time in over a decade, uh, the government are going to commit to index uh, link uh, taxation bans, uh, credits uh, and so on. And, 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 and that that costs, uh, as I said, it would be about €4 billion Euro that could have been used in capital expenditure to help stimulate the economy as opposed to that. They're also going to obviously cut uh, taxes for self-employed who earn above €100,000. Uh, I, I don't believe that that's the, the right approach. Indeed, it was interesting having ISME before the COVID committee who represent 282,000 SMEs and they were arguing that what we need is we need a USC surcharge uh, on incomes above €100,000 uh, to help to, to pay for the, the social contract that, that we're talking about. So I don't believe that this is the type of uh, programme that we need. Uh, I think that we need uh, clear ambition, clear targets, clear plan. We don't have that. A big example of that, Kieran, is, is, in, in, is in housing. So the commitments there, this is one of the areas that there is some numbers, 50,000 social housings. That's exactly what is in the National Development Plan. It's already committed to, it's already signed off on. Indeed, it's 10,000 less than Fine Gael proposed uh, in the election. So I'm not sure which leader, was it Eamon Ryan or Michal Martin, that convinced Leo Varadkar to be less ambitious on social housing. And then they talk about an affordable housing plan no, no, no numbers, no, no targets in terms of how many houses, and indeed don't even spell out what affordable housing is, because that's where the big concern is. We have the Land and Development Agency talking about affordable housing uh, in parts of Dublin, where the the cost of those houses are in excess of three hundred and thirty thousand euro. That's not affordable housing, uh, and you know if that's the type of plan that they're bringing together, then it's it's going to fall uh, way short of what people's expectations are, and indeed and in what's 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 required. So you know time will tell because it is ambitious. It is it, it it's it, not ambitious. It's ambiguous. It's vague. It doesn't it doesn't spell out what is needed. Uh, so July stimulus plan exactly what we needed. I would argue we needed it in June. 
because unfortunately some companies have decided to hang up uh, hang up their boots and, and, and close their doors. Um, but what does that mean? It needs to be really ambitious. It needs to match what has happened in other European jurisdictions. You know, we, we've made it very clear what we need is grants in the form of €25,000 to affected sectors and €10,000 to mildly affected sectors. We need zero interest rate loans with no repayments in the first 12 months. That's the type of ambition we have. If the government continues to tinker with what they've already done, which is low uh, grants from 2000 to 10000 and loans, which are, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. The microfinance loans is 4.5%. The credit guarantee scheme that they're talking about legislating for isn't going to meet what is required because uh, it, it only guarantees 80% of the loan. And then they have a cap on it as well, which means that only 40% of the portfolio is guaranteed. So if you're a corner shop that missed a payment last year or maybe one uh, three months ago, you're not going to get this loan. And, and therefore, you're going to be in a, in a, in a difficult situation. So uh, I, I'm concerned, but we'll have to wait to see the detail in relation to some of that that, that plan. Yeah, I guess the July stimulus, the July element is the fact that the government won't actually be in place until July, will it, uh, by the looks of it, if at all, of course. And um, there's no guarantee that this is going to get through their, their various party membership. They've committed to the 12.5% corporate tax rate, which I presume you'd be committed to as well. They talked in the plan about creating 200,000 new jobs by 2025. I, I presume you'd support that. Um, you mentioned the July stimulus and the recovery fund over the next uh, three years to increase domestic demand. There's a national economic plan, which they're going to publish at the same time as the budget. They talk about prioritising uh, capital investment on housing, retrofitting, public transport. You mentioned some of that cycling and uh, and indeed more buses uh, and more public transport is, is mentioned. There's funding for reskilling and retraining. And there's the credit guarantee scheme. They plan to tap the European Investment Bank for more money to scale up microfinance Ireland and to enhance the investment from the Strategic Investment Fund. Um, you know, I mean, and they're talking about extra supports for hospitality, retail, entertainment, arts and leisure sectors, which have all been whacked, obviously, in uh, by COVID. And we also then have their commitment to the environment. And they talk about a 7% annual reduction over the course of the next 10 years. Um, not that they'll necessarily be in government for those 10 years uh, in emissions. I mean, surely you would welcome all of that. But see, much of what you've just said there, Kieran, is, is very vague. So extra supports for the hospitality sector, of course. We need extra supports for the hospitality sector. But if, uh, and indeed Sinn Féin are going to come out next week with a very ambitious programme to help uh, spur on activity in terms of the hospitality sector led by, by Darren O'Rourke. But the, the, the key thing here is, so if the government come out and announce, for example, another uh, rate deferral for three months, uh, you know, that's not good enough. You know, like what we need is, like in the north, it's, it's, it's deferred for, for 12 months. In the hospitality sector, they're getting £25,000 sterling loans. Here, it's anything from two to ten thousand. Uh, here, it's only three months rate deferral. Here, your interest rate on microfinance loans is four and a half percent. In the north, again, it's zero percent with no repayments for the first twelve months. So it all depends. Is what what is your definition of extra support? Uh, and is it ambitious enough? Is it big enough? Is the stimulus package going to be what what meets uh, the requirements? And at this point in time. On the past record of this government, uh, what they have done is they have failed, in my view, and they are way behind the, the, the curve in relation to what is required in other areas. So you talk about investment in public transport. Of course, we want to see investment in public transport, but we also want it spelled out. What does that mean actually for uh, rural communities and roads? I live in Donegal. There's no rail line in Donegal. There's no dark. There's no loose. <laughs> there's very little public bus network in, in, in Donegal. Um, so 
it's likely that it will be in the same position we were before. If you have a rebalancing of public investment from two to one, that means basically we'll have more potholes and more weeds growing up the middle of our roads, uh, while we might see some uh, additional investment in 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 in, in more uh, urbanised centres, and that's not good uh, for for rural Ireland that is already on its knees. So what we needed here was actually targets and plans. What we needed was to say, yes, we know that one of the biggest priorities in the con- in the country is housing. We knew that we needed at least 100,000 houses. But now, actually, as a result of the downturn, there is an opportunity to actually ramp that up further because what we do need to do is stimulate the economy. So let's actually use housing as a way, not of only meeting the need that's out there, but actually trying to get people back to work. So creating 200,000 jobs, of course, who wouldn't welcome even one job created? But we want to also know how they deal with the fact that there's going to be 250,000 people unemployed as a result of COVID at the end of the year that aren't going to be back at work. And there's no indication as to whether their supports in terms of the pandemic unemployment payment will continue. So there is a lot, a lot of vagueness here. And the biggest thing for me in all of this year is how do you make this add up? How do you say that you're going to cut taxes for the highest income earners in society? How do you say that you're going to do a €4 billion tax for gone that we've never done in the last 10 years and do all of the other stuff, but at the same time, in year two and a half or three, that you're going to actually uh, start cutting expenditure or raising other taxes to actually uh, deal with the deficit? Now, you know, like that's that's just Houdini stuff, you know, um, and 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 that's where the credibility is lost here, and that's that's what the problem is with this program for government. They didn't make any attempt to cost any of the proposals or to make it fit. It's very geared towards making sure that Michael Martin is Tisha, and it's basically whatever uh, the party leaders were well were were happy with, then do it. And and the reality is, many much of this will never ever be delivered. Cliff Taylor, how are they going to fund it? And what about that point about uh, well, our borrowing, uh, for example. We've raised, I think the NTMA has raised something like 18 billion euro so far on the markets this year. So that's obviously one way in which we're going to pay for it in the short term. But over the course of the next five years, how are they going to pay for all these measures, even though they're not costed? Yeah, it's, good. it's a good question. I mean, as Pierre said, there's very little by way of costings in the document. I mean, normally in a programme for government, you mightn't see everything costed out and planned. But equally, you would often see, you would usually see department officials running in and out to meet the party leaders as things are finalised and, and the general shape put on the costings of, of, a, of a lot of the elements of a programme for government. So, you know, given the length of time that it took to negotiate this, I was a bit surprised when I, at, at the lack of detail, uh, you know, notwithstanding, I suppose, the, um, the COVID-19 backdrop. And, um, you know, I think they're, 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 the proof of the pudding is, are the first the first go at it at least will come uh, when they sit down to try and draw up the National Economic Plan because they'll be sitting there with the officials from the Department of Finance and Public Spending and uh, going through the sums and, and, and looking out over the next few years at how things are, what things are going to cost and where revenues are going to be. And, I, you know, I think there are questions there about how those numbers are, are going to add up. Like, first of all, there's the question of the stimulus and, and, and most of that is going to be funded by borrowing and, and we have to hope that the ECB keeps its word, stays in the market till June next year and we can keep borrowing. And, and if we can keep borrowing at the rates we're borrowing at now, you know, we, we may be able to get through that in reasonable shape, albeit with debt at, at, at a much higher level. Um, the bigger issue is how you pay for all the new commitments and the proposed uh, reductions in tax as well over the next few years. You know, it's it's hard to put a shape on it, but when you start looking at the different elements, I mean, slaughter care is a hugely... Uh, is, is a hugely costly project to, to, to bring in. Um, some of the environmental elements are, are, are very costly. Like, for example, we're talking about 
not um, licensing any new diesel or petrol cars after 2030. That's going to mean a huge increase in electric cars, which is going to require a lot of government support. Retrofitting is a hugely expensive thing to do. Now, households are going to you know, have to put have to pay for some of that, but the state is going to have to put a lot of money up front as well to try and get that going. So when you start looking at the extra the extra spending, not only on capital projects, but also on day-to-day spending, uh, you do start to wonder how 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 this is go- all going to add up over the next few years. And, and certainly, I think there's going to have to be ways found to raise new revenues or to save money in, in other areas. Looking at the capital budget, there's a fair bit of money put aside for that over the next few years anyway, uh, $9 billion plus a year of, of state funding. And, and it is possible that things can be some things can be delayed to pay for things being brought up front. But the real issue, I think, is the day-to-day spending. When, when you look at the extra spending on, in areas like health and childcare that are promised, they're going to cost a lot of money. We're already entering entering this in a situation where there's a big hole in the exchequer finances because of COVID, and, and, and you just have to think that there's going to be a need to, to find new sources of revenue or savings elsewhere to pay for all that in the years ahead. And, 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 and you know, I'm not clear, not clear exactly where that's going to come from. Pierce, sorry, uh, the document talks about any windfall gains from, let's say, the sale of bank shares or uh, any windfalls from NAMA, etc., going towards repaying borrowings, repaying some of the huge burden of national debt that we have at the minute. Do you think that's, that would be a good use of that money? No, not at this point in time. Um, what we need actually is to, is to stimulate the economy at an appropriate level. Um, that's not only this year, but also to continue that over the next number of years um, and, and to grow the economy to reduce the, the deficit. Uh, we don't have to be, in my view, uh, looking at an austerity programme, which is what is, uh, is, is, is in black and white in, in, in this programme for government in the, later heart of, uh, in the later part. And we need to use the resources that are available uh, from the transfer from NAMA. We argued, Kieran, uh, that the, 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 the €2 billion euro that we're getting this year and the €2 billion euro that we were getting next year from NAMA uh, would be used to actually um, use to, to build uh, the houses that we need. We were accused by Fianna Fáil that this was magic money. Uh, so this is the magic money now that they are basing uh, a lot of their programme for government on. Uh, in, in, I think in, in relation to uh, the shares in the banks, particularly in terms of AIB, I think that with a state-owned bank, that it can be, you, you know, the banks have huge difficulties and challenges with what the banks have published legislation today, and, you know, that would end the, 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 the charging of interest during payment breaks uh, and, and many other issues with the banks. But the banks can be a, a really important part in terms of our economic recovery and actually having a uh, majority state, state ownership of AIB uh, could really, really be very, very useful at this point in time if it is used and, and, and directed properly. Like So, you know, there, you can see in the programme for government about the SCBI, about enhancing that. I don't know what that means. It is, is it mean that they're going to give it a banking licence, that they're going to allow it to be a bank, which is what the governor of the central bank at the time argued for? Um, but then the question is, is, why don't we just use AIB? Why don't we use AIB to get money out into SMEs to, to make sure that we get that liquidity with the state guarantees that are, that are there? We own the bank or we, we have a majority shareholding. So there, there's, there's issues in, in terms of that. So I don't think that that's the right approach at this point in time. We do need to deal with our debt. Uh, I had a very good meeting with the senior people in the NTMA, you know, and I think they've done an excellent job in terms of refinancing some of our, our debt over the last period of time. Uh, I think that, you know, if you look at just the 
where we are over the next five years. We've no rollovers, big rollovers of debt. We're in a very, very good position. We're borrowing at negative interest rates in the, in, in the markets and oversubscribed. So we're in a very good position to be able to actually fund the stimulus over the next number of years that's, that, that, that's required and then use the windfalls that will come either from NAMA or indeed selling shares in some of the other banks uh, to actually help uh, close the, get the gaps or indeed uh, stimulate the economy as we, as we need to over the, the, the next period of time. Well, just on the point of the NTMA, Pierce, um, Conor O'Kelly, who's the chief executive of the NTMA, he said he's not worried about the next four years in terms of our ability to continue to borrow from the markets, but he would be worried about the decade after that because we are going to have to refinance um, some of our debt uh, in that decade and we're probably going to have to do it at much higher rates than we're borrowing at at the minute. Yeah, I think the, the, the ECB, you know, and we could also, you know, we look back at the role of the ECB probably in the last crash and uh, they didn't come out at all with, uh, you know, in, 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 any, um, in any positive way. They, they played, in my view, a kind of negative role. But in this instance, after the first blip with Christine Lagarde and, and what she said in relation to Italy and drove the bond markets a bit crazy there, they have done the right thing. They're basically saying, we, we you know, it, whatever it takes, and basically they're calling on governments to stimulate the economy. So, But that won't go on forever. We understand that. And we do need to have a manageable level of debt. But what we need to do and what, what countries will look at is, is the level, or investors will look at it, is the level of growth that's happening in the economy. So that's the key thing. We need to, to return to a growth at a point in time, not to position of paying down debt, because very few countries ever pay down debt. What you do is you you service your debt, and that's the, that's the key thing. So, is there a level of growth in relation to your economy that that that's sustainable that will allow you to actually service your debt into and and into a period? And that's where we need to we need to look at it is getting the economy back grown again, and that's why we need to stimulate. So, if you start cutting or reducing expenditure in year two or three, then you are, in my view, actually working against that objective, and you will slow down growth, and therefore you will cause a problem in relation to how you'll be able to. To service your debt into the future. Pierce, a couple of things on the property front. They talk about bringing new homes into the local property tax. Wonder if you agree with that. Um, the new homes were exempted when the property tax was introduced there um, some years back and, and they still haven't been brought into the net. And the other thing is Mark Fitzgerald of Sherry Fitzgerald Estate Agents was on this uh, show um, some weeks back and he talked about the need to focus on actual building houses rather than on retrofitting. And he said that we really have finite construction um, labor in this market and we need to focus on building new homes for people rather than retrofitting. Retrofitting is a bit of a, uh, a sideshow as, as far as he's, he's concerned that we should focus all our resources on building new homes. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as simple as that. Um I, well, look, in terms of the property tax, we don't believe that that's the type of model that we should have. We should have a wealth tax that also includes property, but it should have proper income limits and all the rest. Um, you know, we've, we've published legislation in, in relation to that. Um, that isn't, that isn't where we're going on, unfortunately. And un, uh, unfortunately, the program for government talks about not only that they'll take in the, the houses that are exempt and for people that you can understand that if, if your neighbor's paying it and your other neighbor isn't, then that, that there's an issue of fairness there, uh, regardless of your position on whether the property tax is good, bad or indifferent. But they're, they're all, the program for government also says that while the majority of people won't see an increase in their property tax, others will. So, you know, there is going to be hundreds of thousands of people who are going to see an increase in their property tax uh, alongside increases in carbon and other type of taxes that, that will be required. In terms of the, the question of retrofitting and uh, 
a, a new build. Uh, I, I, the, there, I don't think there should be a trade-off because I don't think it's it's one or the other. There is an issue in terms of need to build uh, proper houses, but there's also an, an issue in terms of reaching our targets, but also dealing with fuel poverty. So we need to look at some of the data in relation to this here. We need to look at actually the analysis that have been made of the, uh, um, the SEI grant so far and what it did or didn't do, and most importantly, in relation to actually energy efficiency in terms of homes and are we doing the right thing. So what has been put forward by others. Again, we have no real detail in relation to the program for government, but they do say it's modelled on the Tipperary model. And what the Tipperary model is, it brings the energy to a high standard of energy rating of B2. But that actually means that the homeowner has to take out a loan in the region of about 40 to 50,000 euro. <laughs> like this is this is kind of you know this is kind of mad stuff. Like you know I don't know how many people that I'm talking to would be willing to go into that type of debt uh, on the promise that look it's okay it'll end up it'll be okay in the long run because you're going to save on your energy bills and you're you know you will will you'll pay that loan back over uh, over over the savings. So there are issues with what's there, uh, and we need to look at whether that's the most efficient way to actually have. Um, uh, to meet the target. So one of the things we were trying to do in our talks with the Greens and indeed others was we wanted the department to model uh, the impacts of a uh, different type of measures in terms of reaching uh, our, our climate target. So uh, what what it means in terms of retrofitting to different levels of standards, what, what will that do, what it means in terms of investing in transport and so on, what it means in terms of other type of emissions, whether it's car, rail, so on, all of this. Uh, and the department didn't have that. Now, they started to do some of those modelling. They provide us with some of the, the issues, particularly in relation to transport, but they didn't provide us with the rest of them because obviously cut, talks were cut off by the Greens at that time when they went into Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. But I would be absolutely shocked uh, if those background documents aren't there. And I think it's important that they would be released and that people know very clearly uh, what type of measures are required to actually give you the type of energy efficiency and are they worthwhile? Because there's no point talking about kind of buzzwords like retrofitting if, first of all, it doesn't reach energy efficiency. And second, if it doesn't really cut it with the public, if, if people are saying, look, you know, you need to dig out a 30, 40 or 50,000 euro loan, that's, that's not going to happen. At Davy, we know uncharted territory can be a challenge. We've been in business since 1926, and since then, we've advised many different clients through many global and national crises. Some will seek comfort in the safe and familiar, while others will embrace the opportunity to try something new. Throughout the years, we've not only listened to our clients, we've got to know you personally, helping us advise you on a financial life plan that suits you best. Davy, it's not just business. It's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. Uh, Cliff, in the document, it talks about negotiating a new public pay deal with unions guided by the state's financial position and outlook, which means there's probably not one likely in the short term, I would have thought, given the state of the public finances this year and the fact that uh, we're going to be in recession. Uh, but how do you see it? Yeah. <laughs> I think they will enter negotiations with the public sector unions, and I, you know, I think particularly in the uh, in the light of the COVID crisis, I guess, and the, and the role that some of the public sector have played in that, it would be difficult not to. The document is pretty ambiguous on the whole thing. You're right, and I suppose there's a possibility that if the public finances are particularly bad, they may look for some kind of a freeze over a period of years. Uh, but 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 I think that probably isn't what they want to do. Um, but there is a also a statement that they will try and uh, lock in, I suppose, a lot of the improvements in productivity that have come via COVID in some sectors of the economy. 
Um, so I think they will try and do a new deal, uh, but it's going to be very much framed by, uh, as a lot of things are, by, by how things look in the autumn and heading into next year uh, and how the COVID crisis is and how the public finances look. Pierce, there are a lot of people in the private sector who've been uh, hit in the pocket as a result of COVID, you know, with uh, reduced wages. We're looking at Aer Lingus workers um, going down to 30% of their normal levels and, and so forth. A lot of people laid off permanently. They're not coming back to their jobs. And some of them um, probably wondering why public servants haven't been asked to take a pay cut, even a temporary pay cut, to help with the public finances. And it might also help in terms of solidarity. Yeah, well, look, I, I wouldn't support that. Uh, I do believe that those on the, the higher earners in the public sector should pay more, and that would be through, obviously, the, the taxation measures that we mentioned for those earning individual above €100,000. Uh, what we do need is for, we do we need two things. We need a living wage. I think that's been really exposed in terms of the pandemic. When you look at the um, the large number of people who've lost their jobs, who are on the pandemic unemployment payment and the, the, the low income that they have, and that's not just, that's excluding part-time workers or, or or single shift workers, you're talking about people, you know, in the hospitality and accommodation sector where their average earnings, weekly earnings uh, are, are just are just 350 euro. And that's something that we need to address. Uh, so we do need a living wage, but we also need to uh, we need to deal with the fact that the, our social security system isn't fit for purpose. Um, you know, we, we don't have the, the type of safety net that is, that is required. We need to move to a position where a certain proportion of your income is guaranteed for a portion of time that then reduces over, over time, as is happening in many other European countries. And that really calls into question the issue of, you know, the likes of employers, PRSI. Again, it's in the document. God forbid when Michael Martin figures that one out, because that was one of the reasons he signalled out why he would never go into government with Sinn Féin, because we would ruin the economy. We would destroy businesses if you were to increase employers' PRSI. Now the fact that our employers are actually uh, calling for it, indeed, it's uh, hinted at the programme for government. I'm sure he'll be quite mute in relation to that. But that's the reality is you can't deliver these type of supports unless you actually have... Um, solid income that is that is going to come as a as a part of it. So I think there is a, a real conversation now we need to have in relation to PRSI because it's if you look at taxation, if you look at um, you know PRSI and, and and that that's where we're really out of step with with the rest of Europe because we our our rates are are are, are quite small. The fear is here is that uh, the government haven't or the proposed government haven't just talked about PRSI or, or empl- on employers or at higher levels, but they've actually said all PRSI. So this government could do the, the thing that they normally do and it could be actually more seen as more kind of tax increases or more le- deductions from your wages for, for lower income earners. Pierce, I just wonder whether maybe Sinn Féin has uh, missed the trick here. You were the big winners from the last election, but you're not going to be part of the next government. And there's, I mean, you know, there's a real possibility that um, this coalition might work and a lot of these measures, you know, the new jobs and building uh, 50,000 new uh, social houses and all that kind of good stuff uh, might actually happen. The the recovery could end up being quite strong. So um, they might actually, if all Fine Gael and the Green Party might actually get the bounce out of this. I mean, Fine Gael have already got a bounce in the polls from their handling of covid um, and I'm just wondering, you know, come four or five years down the track, maybe Sinn Féin's uh, boat will be out again. I mean, ha- should you not be in government uh, this time? Have you missed a trick uh, by not being in government? Yeah, well, look, we, we want to be in government. Um, there, there, there's no doubt about that. We, we got the largest mandate of any political party in, in the state, a huge historic election for, for Sinn Féin, but also an election based on uh, on change. Uh, it wasn't just us that benefited from that. Other parties, including uh, the Green Party, benefited from that. And that's the 
what we want to deliver. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, it's well rehearsed. Uh, we were locked out of talks but by, by Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Uh, they've decided that they don't even want to talk to us about government formation uh, and they have been forced, um, probably against their better judgment or instinct, to come together, to coalesce, uh, to try and stall, to prevent and hold back, back change. It's not completely over yet, Karen. Um, you, you know, just make you know to make that point. I wouldn't second judge or second guess the uh, the membership of of these parties. And if if there does come an, uh, um, a chance, then Sinn Fein will try and uh, re-engage in talks with all of the other parties, and we'll see who will talk to us and who won't talk to us at that point in time. And and just on your point, look, I I really desperately hope that we do see strong growth in the Irish economy because if we don't then you know things will be worse and I'm confident that we can do it I'm confident our people can 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 bounce back and help 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 our country recover but we have come through a period of very strong growth over the last four or five years when Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael shared government between them in confidence and supply so growth doesn't measure whether you are delivering it is about and this is what what you know what what distinguishes Sinn Fein from the others is about how what you do with that growth who who's rewarded by that growth and who pays uh, who pays the cost so you know there's no point having the highest growth in Europe if we also have the highest cost of childcare in Europe if Dublin is the lar- is the dearest city to live in Europe uh, if the cost of rents are just astronomical if we have so many people uh, that are in emergency accommodation. If people are being fleeced on a business level and on a consumer level on a daily basis by insurance or if banks are charging uh, twice the interest rates that our European competitors have. Uh, the growth in the economy, the economy has to serve society, it has to serve people and that's the problem here and that's what takes me back to my first point uh, in this conversation is I don't trust Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. I, I simply don't. I have enough examples of why not to. Like, I passed in a, as an opposition member, I've passed two, I got two pieces of legislation passed. One of them in terms of the, uh, the ombudsman, a very important judgment that's seen hundreds of millions now paid out by AIB to consumers that wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for my legislation. And the second one was on insurance. That bill was unanimously supported by the uh, the doll, unanimously supported by the Senate, signed into law by the President, Michael D. Higgins, was committed to be effect, given effect within three months by the Minister. What did the Minister do? He did a number of meetings with the insurance industry. The insurance industry asked him not to implement the law, and the, the law is still not being implemented, and no reference to it in the programme for government. Why? Because it supports consumers. See those businesses that are before the courts, taking on FBD? If that legislation was passed when the, minute, when the president signed it into law, they would be in a better position because it is stated very clear in Section 11 where there is ambiguity in terms of insurance contract, it has to favour the, 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 the customer and not the insurance industry. And that is why, that's why I don't trust uh, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, no matter who's propping them up, because time and time again, it is the invested, uh, the, the interests of, 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 of those sectors that are always put forward as opposed to the, the, the interest of, of ordinary work and people and families. Mind you, I think you also had a, a bill, a piece of legislation, which uh, really spooked the banks and the business community, your no consent, no sale, uh, if, I'm, if my memory serves me, um, the, where effectively somebody in mortgage arrears uh, would have to consent to the, to the, sale, of their, um, to the sale of their house. Uh, and bank share prices were impacted. You know, analysts uh, in various markets were uh, nervous about that kind of uh, legislation. So, uh, you know, in some respects, um, perhaps the business community still doesn't trust uh, Sinn Féin to run the country. But, but listen, 
see when big bankers are are slapping me on the back, Karen, and saying, "Look, you're, you're doing a great job. Our share price has gone up. We're making more profits now. Fair play to Sinn Fein." Then I'm going to have to have a real conversation with myself and say, "What am I doing?" Because if they're making profits, they're taking it out of the pan- uh, the pockets of the customers. So this is thrown at us uh, time and time again. You know, the share prices have dropped in the banks. Look, of course, the piece of legislation that I introduced today will stop banks charging interest on the 80,000 customers who have applied for an interest payment brick. Now, can I say, does that sound radical? You know, it's the right thing to do. Fine Gael won't agree with it, I'm sure. Uh, haven't agreed with it because we put it to them so many times. Not sure what Fianna Fáil will do. Uh, and, and we'll test them in relation to that. But that's done in Germany. Germany introduced legislation, not a radical left government, but introduced legislation to make sure that banks would not be able to charge interest on the citizens of Germany when they take a payment break as a result of COVID. The citizens of Spain have the same protection through legislation. In Belgium, they have the same protection through, not legislation, but a voluntary entry by the banks in there to actually do the right thing for low-income borrowers in Belgium. Who's the biggest lender in Belgium, Kieran? KBC Bank. So KBC in Belgium, if you earn less than, uh, your net household income is less than 1,700 euro, KBC, along with the rest of the industry, say, we will not charge interest on Belgian citizens in that case. In Ireland, if you're a KBC's customer in Ireland and you have a 20, uh, 200,000 euro loan, then you will pay a 2,600 euro COVID penalty. Why is that happening in Ireland when across 12 other European jurisdictions, the banks have to cut, pay and not the consumers? It's because we have a government that have always been in the pockets of big industry, like the insurance industry, like the banks, as opposed to ordinary citizens. So I make no apologies. And if this legislation passes, of course, the share price will, may drop. Why? Because that means big bankers and big shareholders will, won't get as much profits. Why? Because money will be put back into ordinary consumers and we will have stopped banks fleecing their customers. And that's the right thing to do. OK. Uh, Cliff, I'll give you the final word. Um, to Pierce's point about uh, the memberships of the three parties and whether they're actually going to pass this draft programme for government and whether we're going to get a new government essentially in the next couple of weeks. What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think it's likely that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael will pass it. Uh, I don't really have an insight into the into the, uh, in, into the membership of the Green Party. Uh, obviously, two-thirds is a Two thirds is a is is a significant uh, is a significant figure. I suppose the thing that would worry me would be that if this doesn't pass, what's going to happen next? And specifically for the business supports, which are now really urgently needed and need to be implemented as soon as possible. So you have the credit guarantee scheme, uh, which I think, as Pierre said, needs to be uh, needs to be increased and expanded. Uh, there's legislation needed to underpin the tax forbearance measures. And I think there's a whole load of other measures that are need, going to be needed as well at a sectoral level and at, at company level. You know, what happens if this deal doesn't go through after weeks of talking and after so long after the election? Uh, we enter another period of uncertainty and, and businesses are left hanging. And I think that is a, that's a real danger and a real risk. OK, Pierce Sardi and Cliff Taylor, thank you for joining us. Uh, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Pierce and Cliff. Thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group, for its continued support. Suzanne Brennan produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care and stay safe.